do the people in charge of people care about people? But it just literally starts with, do we actually care? And are we showing that we care? Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, I just want to take a minute and say welcome to the Kelly family. We're so honored that you find value enough in us and our content to keep coming back. Um, and it's because of you that this show exists. So thank you from the bottom of my heart um, for keeping us going. If you are an organizational leader, maybe you are a person who is striving to become and grow in your leadership, you're looking for promotions, maybe you're wanting to get into the C-suite, heck, maybe you want to just branch out and start your own organization, we exist for you. So if any of that applies to you, if you're looking for resources, if you ask, if you have questions that you're wrestling with as a leader, there are so many leadership questions. Maybe you want to know what our faculty is talking about, what research they're doing, or you just know of an individual who make a great guest for our show. Send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-E-P-U-I Again, R-O-I-P-O-D at I-E-P-U-I.edu. There's no question as we look at organizations around the country, heck, even around the world, as we are entering the post-pandemic part of, um, you know, society, part of culture, you know, we're seeing the wane, we're still feeling the effects, and we're seeing people leaving in droves. We're seeing individuals with so much talent, so much to offer, either self-reflecting and saying, you know what, this organization isn't for me, or you know what, I... I need to be doing something more. We've had time with kids, there's time with family. There's so many theories out there. There are so many solutions out there. There's so many possible takes as to why is this happening? What do we need to do about it? I would argue it starts with the humanity part. We talk about human resources. There's whole departments and organizations dedicated to managing humans. But where have we fallen off? That's going to be the topic of our show today. I'm honored to be joined by Mason McDonald, an executive consultant who's solving problems to increase organizational growth. Mason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matt Martella. So we're talking human resources. You know, that's um, a big topic. I mean, like we said, there are departmental, whole departments dedicated solely to managing, onboarding, protecting. If you have issues, I mean, they're there to make people feel welcome, to make people feel part of a winning culture, yet mm-hmm. people are still leaving like crazy. So let's let's kind of start off. Let's let's talk about, you know, some terms. Let's set some key definitions so we're kind of all in the same um, process. You know, you we were talking at breakfast uh, not too long ago about a about a theory, you know, talking about human resources. So let's start in and let's get a snapshot. Okay, what are we talking about when we say human resources? Yeah, so I'll I'll back that up by answering that question with a story, a story that you and I discussed at breakfast. But it was uh, it was not too long ago, within the last year and a half, I was sitting down at a breakfast uh, with a gentleman who, a uh, very high-level leader, uh, just below the C-suite at a billion-dollar company, 4,000 employees. And uh, this is a relationship of mine that had for a long time where we meet under the pretense of let's talk about each other's life problems and let's solve them, if we see what we can do. And uh, that time we were talking about he said, you know, I'm, 
we, we spent probably 45 minutes talking about a, just a frustration. He said, you know, we used to be the employer of choice in every community we were in. Recruiting wasn't a thing. It just, it just happened. As a byproduct of us existing in a place, people chose us. If you chose somewhere to go, you came to us. And the 45-minute conversation could be summed up to that's not happening anymore. And that 45-minute conversation ended with him asking, what do you think is wrong with our human resources department that this would be the case? And we had talked about a lot of things, but my answer was I think the problem starts at the fact that we call the entire department human resources because humans aren't resources, they're people. And he sat back in his chair and set his fork down in this nice little breakfast we were at, and he said, what in the world do we do with that? And a very long conversation started after that, and we got to talk about it. And it, it was fascinating as we, as we worked through it, because if you look, if you rewind in business, pick a time frame a long time ago, we'll call it the proverbial back in the day, businesses existed as a, in a culture that cared for people, that was just a byproduct of who they are. It just, it just was who they are. And then I think if you fast forward to today, that looks and smells a lot more like that we've delegated the caring for people as a responsibility on a job description for a department that we call human resources. And we've outsourced it to another department in our company instead of the culture that we had that did it as a byproduct. And it's created this situation where that's not always at the forefront. It's not always a priority. And, uh, and it raises an even greater question. Okay, we do care, but how do we care? Those are two separate problems. Do you care? Well, sure, most people care. Like all the people in the human resources department care about people, but what is the framework we're asking them to operate in? The issue isn't with the people in the seats. It's the framework they're having to operate in. So we got to focus on the framework and what is that? And the whole conversation started from there. And it's interesting too because, you know, stereotypes – come about from truths you know I say that in mm-hmm. regards to you watch so many movies we watch things in culture and there's always some character at some point who's working for the quote-unquote man or working for the underneath this big corporation they're just there's always some dialogue or Joe jab about I'm just a widget in the machine I'm just a cog you know trying to perpetuate whatever corporate interest or fill in the blank and, you know, we laugh about that, you know, because I think there's there's a tinge of truth into that. And I think it's rearing its head, like you were saying, within, you know, the human resource department. Um, you know, so as you're exploring how we can address this, I mean, from just from like the top level, from, you know, organizational leaders and, and those who do make the decisions in a company, you know, because here on the show, we believe an organization is only as good as the people that are part of it. Like that's, and then the, the other track is we believe that in order for an organization and culture to change, in order for, um, you know, any change to happen, it starts with internally as an individual leader. So they can go forth and then they can set the example for the rest of rest of the organization say, hey, I'm going before you so I can show you where to follow me instead of telling you where to go and you're kind of leading yourself blindly while I'm, you know, behind. So how do organizational leaders begin to take this, you know, fresh perspective as to how do we begin to readdress? You know, you say we, there's, a, there's a system in place that needs to kind of shift in how it's viewed. So in that realm of the um, human resources area, how do organizational leaders begin to 
even start taking inventory of are, is my department just managing quote unquote resources or are we really taking care of our people? Even a, a backup approach to that is, is even the language that we use to do it. Like look at, it is called human resources. So it's, a, it's the department responsible for our effect on people and it's called human resources. That's its title, that's its branding, it's its marketing, it's the language we use to do it. And language does a lot with how we treat things. So like look at any other business, like at the IU Kelly School of Business, name one resource that you have. Monetary, I mean, we're always dealing with money as a resource. So money, and what do you do with money? You, you receive it, you allocate it, you budget it, you take an inventory of it, you report on it, you have meetings about it, you discuss it, and if you don't like the results you're getting with it, you have more meetings and you put it in different places. You value engineer ways to make it go farther, to get more out of it, to do more with it. So what you do with it. What's another resource that you have? Um, I would say probably time, people's time. Or like if we're project managing, we're scheduling projects, making sure, hey, it's time allocated. Yeah, so the soft resources of the company. Yeah, absolutely. You, and you, with time, we schedule it, we allocate it, we report on it. Uh, when we don't like what we're getting with it, we have meetings about it and we discuss it and we make changes about it and consciously do it and we move it to this place or move it to that place. Well, what do we call people? Resources. It's human resources. So what are we currently doing with people? We allocate them. We identify them. We measure them. We have meetings about them. If we don't like what we're getting from them or what they're doing, we move them. We change them to different spots. It's, it's resources. We're treating them like people. I'm sorry, we're not treating them like people. We're treating them like resources. The way we treat other resources in our company because we've told our subconscious that they're resources, human resources. People are our biggest asset. We appreciate people. We do, you know, all these things, all the terms that we use to associate with people is a, is a box that kind of retracts or takes out the humanity of it. And I'm not talking idealism because we all have to still build businesses that make money and, and actually conquer the areas that we're trying to do. Um, but the way we build it and the language that we use is telling us a lot of different ways on how to treat it. And I'm not saying we need to just forget the term human resources and stop branding it. I don't think that's, I think that's idealistic and largely, you know, that's a crazy idea, but and, it can happen. And two, you know, it's not just the fact that you change the way something, you just change the way it's, it's, it's spoken about and it's, that's going to ripple through, you know, I think you, like you're alluding to that's, that's part of the start, you know, and there are undercurrents that, that are underneath that, you know, like language def definitely ripples down when you start calling something and you're labeling it. And on a common language, yeah, like you, it does ripple down. It's like that. I think that's a great example of you manage your resources, you manage money and time. And yeah, we do manage people um, in, in that realm in the same way that we manage uh, time and money. Um, you know, there, but there's also undercurrents even deeper than that, you know, the just getting to the humanity. I mean, there's, there's conferences where people spend thousands and thousands of dollars to send their people to learn how do you better manage people when the reality comes to, you know, are we really listening? Are we really even caring? Are we even seeing people, you know, as humans? And so, you know, as you work as a consultant, helping just organizations, you know, see, because that's what this, this whole, this whole episode is about, just this discovery. Let's take inventory of where are we at as an organization? How are we doing in a healthy way, in an honest way? And it's going to be eye-opening for some organizational leaders, and it's going to be tough to kind of to see. But how do we begin to start? How do organizational leaders begin to start taking inventory of, okay, 
where are we at? Are people leaving because, um, you know, they just don't agree with our culture? Or are people really leaving because we don't see our people as people, we see them as resources? Where do organizational leaders begin to just getting, to start getting that healthy look at themselves? It does start with just that, just intentionally looking at it because you, we, we make a lot of efforts to, to care for people, to physically care for people, but there's, there's two parts to that. Do I care and how do I show that I care? And then you could go even farther and how do people receive value? How do they perceive that they are valued? Because I can, put, I can throw a lot of money at you, but money's not how you interpret value. You want told you're doing a great job. Well, that's different. It's a different way to do it. And it, it just starts with, just like you said, you just you change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. So you just look at the organization and you say, do we care? Do the people in charge of people care about people? And that, you know, there's a whole myriad of soft skills that can go into that, that you can get, that you can be good at, bad at, but it just literally starts with, do we actually care? And are we showing that we care? Are we showing how much we care? And it's not always the easy answer that most people default to is money. And that it always turns into a salary conversation or a benefits conversation or things like that. But that's not, I would argue that that's not the main driver of people. I think there's a lot of research on it. And the way that you attract someone is usually what you have to do to keep them. So this dangerous environment we're in, in what <clears throat> we've, We've talked about the great resignation that people are calling it, which again is a really big branding issue, but they're, uh, what it's creating is a lot of people are being bought away from different places and being paid to come to someone else, which is creating a very dangerous landscape that potentially could be unsustainable because supply and demand, like supplies low, demand's really high. So what happens when that equalizes and everybody's being paid way more than they've ever historically been paid to do it? Uh-oh. And I'm not against that. I'd love to get paid more. I'd love for you to get paid more. I want everybody to get paid more. I'm not against that. But that can't be the only driver because how you attract people is usually what you have to do to keep them. And uh, you've probably heard the phrase that people come and work for you or, or people are hired for, who, for what they know, but they're let go for who they are. And I think it works the same way on the other side of the coin. People come to work for you for benefits, resources, things like that, but they leave because of one item of culture, valuing people. They leave for culture. They leave for those different various things. Sometimes it's just better opportunities. Sometimes they run out of room. Their gifts aren't useful anymore. You know, you pick the reason, but they leave for different reasons. But it, it, it starts with, do we care? How are we showing that we care? And, are, and is this how people are cared for? Is this how they want to be cared for? It comes down to a lot of organizational leaders may be so busy at times or feel busier. You know, I mean, every organ as you work up and as you gain more in leadership, um, you know, your responsibility is growing. You know, the weight on your shoulders is getting heavier. The more people that are either under you, the more responsibility that's that's happening. And for not the intention, it's not the intention that organizational leaders are coming off as neglectful or coming off as you know just just distant or seeing you as a resource. I mean, we have to understand too, you know, that organizational leaders may be caring a lot, but to that degree, that can also be a blind spot for leaders where it's 
I'm so strapped. I only have so much time in the day. I'm trying to be as efficient as possible so I can, you know, myself as a leader come into the conversation like ready to go. Um, and it does, it can come off brash or it can come off as certain, you know, however conversations go. And it can be perceived as platitudes, you know, like, let me just say the right buzzwords. Let me just, I'm not going to put too much thought into it. I'm just going to go with a gut. My gut says, it, like you said, I'm just going to throw more money at it and give more benefits. And the problem's going to go away. Cause I don't have time to think about this in a really holistic way versus the actions, you know, versus, okay, where can I stop and, and see? And, um, as an organizational leader, how can I really get to the root of getting to know you, like sitting down with you, you know, so how can organizational leaders, um, how, just begin to embrace some of that humility or just, you know, take that step back and be honest with themselves. Like, okay, am I really, am I, am I really giving this my full effort? Am I really giving this my, my full attention that it deserves? Because I think, you know, it's one of those things that it may not, it may not have as much of an urgency as reality saying, like people are leaving their organizations like crazy, like we've never seen before. Um, and so how do organizational leaders just, just stop for a second and say, all right, what's really important right now? And how do I turn actions and not just make this just a simple platitude? Well, take a look at marriage. You're married. I'm married. And there are, there are times in our marriage where there are a lot of pressures, external pressures, internal pressures, and it gets hard. We get low on time. We get low on capacity. We get low on emotional energy. We get low on relational energy. And, and we mess it up too. Like sometimes I'm just a really bad husband. I'm just really bad at it. You know, we've only been married for eight years. The day we got married, it was both of ours first day on the job. So I didn't like prepare for that in some magical way. I just showed up on my first day and had to figure it out. And I'm really bad at it sometimes. I work really hard at it, but I'm really bad at it. But when my wife ends up in a situation where where I've messed up, it's not just over. It's not just over because I made a mistake or I was mean to her or I didn't value her or I didn't or I wasn't good at caring for her. It's not over because we have this environment where we have relational equity with each other where I know at the end of the day when push comes to shove, she cares. And she knows at the end of the day when push comes to shove, I care. So there's this, there's this relationship that where we've created psychological safety and relational safety where we actually just know that we know that we care. And sometimes like we're in the season, we have two little kids, uh, one nearly a brand new baby and one a little bit older and there's not a lot of time to like you know and in parallel to the business world sometimes there's just not a lot of time to sit around and talk and you know i'm not saying we sit around and talk about our feelings and have these powwow moments that a lot of people will be turned off by um but at the end of the day even in the toughest busiest seasons that we have i know that my wife is for me and that when push comes to shove she cares and that when she has to make a decision between something that is good for me or better for her but not good for me, she's going to make the decision that's good for me. She's going to prioritize me as the human in the relationship. And businesses are no different. We have tough times. You know, you hear all the phrases. It's lonely at the top. It's all these things. You know, it's time. There's pressure. I get it. I know the higher you get in an organization, it is hard. And there are pressures. You have boards to report to. You have stockholders to report to. You have all these people that you have to report to. And it's hard. And there's so much pressure and it's not easy. It's not cut and dry. This isn't like a, we're not going to get like the one thing that changes everything on this podcast. It's a hard, messy problem because people are hard and they are messy and it comes with it. But at the end of the day, we, we have to care. 
as we've talked about, we've beat that we beat that a lot. We have to care, and that comes through in just an inventory, a personal inventory of how do we make decisions. What do we actually? We do care. I think the majority of people do care. I don't think that's incorrect. I think they do care. I just think they're not very good at showing it. In that, you know, we we recognize work that's a good job. You know, think of every reason anybody's ever left a company, and you could just really focus on that and start doing some of those things, and you make a lot of changes. We cared about the person. We compliment work that's done that where they've done a really good job. If they leave, when when we have conflict, we do it well, and we're okay walking away disagreeing. We don't need blind faith or just this obedience above all else. You know, we can actually we give them room to be humans and struggle. As long as we're going to call it a struggle, it's okay to struggle. I'm, it's okay if you don't agree with me and where we're going and what we're doing, but let's work through that. You know, we just give them room to be a human. And then once you do that, once you build that trust, that relationship, all those things, that affords you the ability for high capacity, high expectations, high results, all the things that we all look for, all the things that money motivates in our world, you can get that. And arguably you'll get it easier when you build those things first, when you build the relationship and the trust and all those things first. You'll get everything you're looking for when you prioritize the person in front of you. And you know, I've been in situations before where someone comes in and we've got a lot of stuff to do but I can just see it in their eyes. Like that's not the most important thing in their life right now. And sometimes this is appropriate for people. Sometimes it's not. And I've gotten the chance to sit across and say, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Like, you don't need to open your life story to me, but are you okay? Or is everything all right? Is there anything I can do? How can I help? And that, the mileage that comes from that, you don't do it for the mileage, but the mileage that comes from that is priceless. You couldn't pay them enough to get it because they know at the end of the day, they care about me. And I think you brought about something really interesting I want to hone in on, talking about the example of marriage. I mean, both of us, we showed up at the altar, we said, I do, and it was, all right, now you have to just go. Like there was no training, there was no onboarding. There was, I mean, maybe there was, but you know, there's not an official, official process. And I think so many times in organizations that, that is a very good analogy as to what happens when you grow in leadership. You know, you get promoted, not because, I mean, a lot of times because of who you are, but because of the job you do. Like, man, Mason, he's been crushing it at this financial reports and he's always on time and he's all, he barely makes a mistake. That's a guy we need to promote. You know, it becomes very much what you do what you've done or what you do instead of all right well does he listen does he care does he you know see people for who they are and that's probably built into it but you really got promoted because of the job you've done and people carry that into well I got this got me promoted as a leader so if I keep leaning into my job instead of leaning into the people well that's only going to help me to grow as an organizational leader and a lot of times we don't get training. We don't know what we don't know until we get into the role. And a lot of times too, you know, like I would argue that we bring what we think is our, you know, our gut check. So it's like, okay, I need to listen to this person. That's what my gut's telling me. Like I, there's, there is a human sitting across from me. Like that's what my gut's telling me. But I haven't seen my boss ask me how I'm doing. I haven't seen his boss ask him how he's doing. And it's almost like, well, my gut's telling me one thing, but what I've seen is totally different. I'm going to go by what I've seen because that's just kind of how a company works and instead of, well, let me trust my gut and let me just kind of ask, you know, so, so talk about how do you, how do you empower or begin to empower leaders? Because leadership starts from within. I mean, you, you, you lead yourself to grow. How can leaders kind of start overcoming some of those war of visions of what I see my leadership's doing that 
clearly hasn't worked, but I'm doing it because they've done it versus, you know, like I really feel like this, I just need to, I need to have this conversation. We don't challenge vision. You, you can challenge it. Like you can have like safe conversations about it, but we can't have two visions uh, because that's division, which is division. And you don't want that. That's not good. That means you're both running really fast in the wrong direction, in separate directions, and you're going to end up nowhere together. That creates big problems. But assuming we're united under the vision, then the style and the way that we do it and the way that we carry ourselves and the way that we lead, that's what you affect. And the person that says, I feel like I'm supposed to treat someone this way, but I see it done this way, and they struggle with that, I'd say they need to shut off a lot of voices outside of their head because you want to be the change that you want to see in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm a thermostat wherever I go. The owner put me in that. Owners install thermostats in a room and set it to the temperature they want. And you do that. So that's what you do. Be the thermostat. Don't be a thermometer. Don't just go in and read the temperature and then be like, oh, but I don't think he's never, my boss has never treated me that way. So I probably shouldn't treat someone that way. That's not a good idea. You know, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. You know, everybody has a really great sense of just, you know, we have that internally built into us from the way we were created that we know when we're treating someone right or not. And I mean, you lean on that. You know, you got to work in the confines of your company, but you like, you need to be the leader that you want to see. Leadership is not a title and a position. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less, as John Maxwell says. You know, and so you lead where you're at in the right way and everything else will follow. But you have to prioritize that. It, it is right. It just is the right thing to do. You know, finally, as we begin to wrap up uh, this episode, what do organizational leaders, you know, from from that lens of, I need to I need to be the change first before I can start creating change within my culture, which we were going to cover next week. You know, how, what do those steps look like so we can start really helping our teams, you know, go after this and really start seeing people again and reclaiming the humanity and human resource. What can organizational leaders do, you know, the moment they hit, um, the moment they get off this episode of the podcast to start internally really reflecting in and saying, okay, am I the leader that I'm, I want to be in regards to leading my team and seeing them as humans. Um, and you know, what, what, what's that first step to prime us for next week's episode when we really start saying, okay, now how do we begin to change the organizational culture after I've worked on myself and being able to set the example of where we're going to go? Yeah. So if it, if it happens at the shovel, it probably started in the boardroom. So reverse engineer that and start in the boardroom. You're the, you're the leader. Um, and frankly, if you're not the leader of the entire company, it doesn't matter. Be a leader where you're at. Leaders are leaders wherever they're at, regardless of position and title. But say the position you're in, start right where you're at. Who do you affect closest to you and literally care for them? Go talk to them as a human. You don't need to have a bunch of like crazy emotional conversations or whatever. It's not that. It's just literally, Matt, how are you today? And when you get a flippant answer, ask a better question. You're doing well. What's going great right now? How is your life? And you get as personal as you're comfortable with. You don't have to be super personal, but care. Show up and care. People don't, they don't hear what you say. They hear what you're thinking when you say it. They pick up on the feelings you have when you say it. So someone knows when you're just asking them a platitude, if you will, or they're they're just asking you some question that they don't really mean. So just show up and care. Ask a person, show up to a human and treat them like a human. How do you talk to your kids when you get home? Hey, buddy, how are you? How was your day? What'd you do? Who'd you hang out with? Who'd you talk to? 
you know, you can do things like that. But show up. You don't need to sweep and make it do it through the whole company, but just be that change where you're at. The per- people that you directly touch and impact and impact those people by just talking to them as humans. You still got to take over the world together, but remember that they're humans while you do it. Again, Mason McDonald, executive consultant who's solving problems to increase organizational growth. Such an honor to have you here on the podcast and can't wait to talk with you again next week as we dive into the organizational culture and how do we begin to implement that change. Thank you, Matt. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.